pretty clear directions from the Lord for what to share today. Just a, um, a short teaching, really, out of Psalm 92. And um, it will I'll bring, it'll bring be along the same lines as some of the things Wes shared last Sunday. Um, but I'm going to really just stay focused on Psalm 92. And uh, uh, I believe I'm speaking next week, too. So uh, I'm, I'm just going to really focus on four verses here. But today I just want to focus on two of them. So two verses, <laughs> really, I'm focusing on, okay? I'll, I'll read the whole psalm. It's, it's, it's relatively short. But I want to say Psalm 92 was written... Um, if you have a Bible with you, I know a lot of times we look on our phones now. Um, we have Bible apps and such. But if you have a Bible at the right up where it says Psalm 92, you'll, you may notice in your Bible it says a psalm. Uh, it's a song. It was written for the Sabbath day. So this so this psalm was actually written to be to be sung on the Sabbath day when when God's people gathered. It was really a psalm for the gathering of the church for God's people, when God's people came together. And so this is it. It is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, almost high, to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness by night. With the ten-string lute and with the harp, with resounding music upon the lyre, for you, O Lord, have made me glad by what you have done. I will sing for joy at the works of your hands. How great are your works, O Lord. Your thoughts are very deep. A senseless man has no knowledge, nor does, now the, the, uh, uh, the one translation says, nor does a stupid man understand this. That's, that's become sort of an insulting word in our culture, but uh, it, that means self-confident fool, okay? That when the wicked sprouted up like grass and all who did iniquity flourished, it was only that they might be destroyed forevermore. But you, O Lord, are on high forever. For behold, your enemies, O Lord, for behold, your enemies will perish. All who do iniquity will be scattered. But you have exalted my horn like that of the wild ox. I've been anointed with fresh oil, and my eyes look exultantly upon my foes. My ears hear the evildoers who rise up against me. Now I want to lock in on these last four verses. The righteous man will flourish like the palm tree. He will grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still yield, yield, excuse me, they will still yield fruit in old age. They shall be full of sap and very green to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. I just want to focus on two verses today, verses 12 and 13. The righteous man will flourish like the palm tree. He will grow like a cedar in Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. So, Verse 12, the, the righteous, and of course I have my amplified here, uh, it means the uncompromisingly righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. Now, when we think righteousness, uh, a lot of times we think, um, you know, it's, it's uh, our minds tend to go into the realm of my, my, my behavior, conduct. But understand, righteousness is right standing with God. And if you belong to Christ, here's the deal. Whether you feel it or not, righteousness is a reality, okay? You're not righteous because of what you do. You're righteous because of what Christ already accomplished on the cross for you, okay? So righteousness is a reality, all right? It's, and 
And those who walk in the reality, in the truth, that we've been made the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. That's in 2 Corinthians. Paul said, God made him, that's Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. All right? So we're made the righteousness of God through the work of the cross. Okay? That's a reality. It's based on past history, what Christ accomplished for you, and it's to be received. It's a gift. It's the free gift of righteousness. It's to be received by faith. All right? And so as we... You know, completely relying up upon what Christ has accomplished for us is really the essence of walking in righteousness. That's really what I'm being uncompromisingly righteous is. It's completely leaning upon and leaning into the finished work of the cross. What Christ has already accomplished for you, you're redeemed, right? You're never going to be more saved than, you're sa- than you are today if you belong to Christ, if you've trusted him as your Lord and Savior by faith. You can rest in the confidence of that and in the assurance of that. And that is very, very important, okay? Uh, and I, the prophet Isaiah said these words about righteousness. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul will exult in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness, okay? Why in the Christian life do so many Christians feel, you know, right with God one minute, not right the next. I mean, I, 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 I've attended a few churches in my life, and I've attended ones that would give altar calls, and sometimes the same people would come down every week to, to get right with God again. Well, what's going on there? Okay, it's, 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 a, it's a lack of understanding. If, if, if you have given your heart to Christ and you've repented, he has clothed you with a robe of righteousness, and now you don't have to clothe yourself anymore. See, that's what Adam and Eve did out of shame, When they sinned, they hid from God and tried clothing themselves with fig leaves. And God says, not going to happen. God says, get rid of the fig leaves. And God killed an animal, the first sacrifice, the first blood sacrifice, the first time blood was shed. uh, uh, Okay, God killed an animal, made a covenant with them, and clothed them with the skin of the animal. What's up with that? God clothes you. You don't clothe yourself. Okay? God clothes you with righteousness. You don't bring your own righteousness to the table, you see. You can't make yourself righteous. God makes you righteous. And so it's really about resting in what he's already accomplished and receiving freely that robe of righteousness. And whether I feel like it or not, whether the enemy's badgering my mind or not, I I have been made to become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus because God made the Son, Jesus Christ, to become sin for me. It's a done deal. Whether you feel it or not, think it or not, it's a done deal, okay? And this is very, very important because what the enemy's after is your confidence. The enemy's after your confidence, you see? And it's, it's so vital to our capacity to walk in the victory that Christ purchased for us, the victory that overcomes the world, which is our faith, as John stated. So vital to our capacity to do this that we are, con- that, that it's so vital that we be continually aware of and, lear- and leaning into, I say leaning into, meaning we, we cease striving in our strength and we draw our strength from Christ. We lean into the truth that he has made us righteous. See, because here's the deal. Without the realization, that I'll call it righteousness consciousness. Without the realization that I've been made righteous 
The enemy has access to your confidence. And here's where, here's where lack of confidence, okay? And, and do a little litmus test, just do a little, do a little check on yourself here. Okay, without the continual realization that I've been made the righteousness of God. Now, this is going to meddle, okay, but it's okay. This is good. This is healthy. Without that realization that I'm righteous through Christ Jesus, through what he did, okay, with, through the cross, without that realization, here's the stuff that begins to happen. We start getting tossed about, kind of like a ship on the sea. We begin to question our place in God's family. We begin to doubt God's goodness and integrity. We begin to question if he will ever bring to pass what he's spoken. We begin to dwell in shame and grief over the past. We have a nagging or lurking question of, you know, if I step out in faith, will God really come through for me? I see him work for other people, but will he do it for me? We'll set limits on ourselves by defining what we are or are not capable of doing. And we will live with a sense that somehow I'm left to figure life out on my own. I've been left to care for myself. Not sure if God's really paying attention to my prayers. Do you see that? It's, that? it's just a lack of confidence. And what's the enemy done? He's gone after your, your, your it's, that, it's, that, it's that lack of confidence because I'm not, I'm not living as if I'm clothed with a robe of righteousness. God's given it to me, but I don't know it yet. See, there's a lot that Christ has purchased for us through the cross, but if we don't know about it, if we're ignorant of it, we don't walk in it. Okay? There's what's positionally yours and what you're realizing in your real life. Okay? There's a lot that's been positionally given to you. Okay? But if you don't access it and walk in it by faith, it's not a, rea it's not a living reality. Do you see? And so... so Without that realization of righteousness, leaning into and receiving the reality that in Christ we've been made righteous before him, our faith won't work, it won't flow properly, okay? Um, Peter, when he was greeting the people in his second letter, in the very first verse, he's greeting the people, and this was his greeting. He said, to those, to the people he was writing to, to those who have received like precious faith with ourselves, in and through the righteousness of God and Savior, Jesus Christ. You see that connection between your f our faith and, 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 and the realization that we've been made the righteousness of God. A heart that is righteousness conscious will be full of faith. Okay? And this, this really happens when we cease trusting in ourselves and just receive. That's all you can do. See, what do I do? How do I get it? How do I get it? Receive with thanksgiving. Whether you feel it or not, just thank him for it. Thank you, Lord, that I'm the redeemed of the Lord, that I'm freed from the plague of sin. I'm free from yokes of bondage. I'm free. I'm free to walk as a son of God in the earth. I'm free from torment. I'm free from fear. I'm free from sickness and disease. Whether you feel it or not, just begin to thank him for it and receive it by faith, you see? And when we begin to simply receive, when we receive that robe of righteousness that he freely gives us through the work of the cross, we begin walking in the, the greater level of confidence is ministered to us. See, here's the thing. Um, you know, we, we see the words faith and hope linked together in, in Scripture. You know, you see, faith is the substance of things hoped for. And in 1 Corinthians, these three remain, faith, hope, and love. Our faith 
our faith has to be firmly based in what's already been accomplished. Your faith is based in something that was done in the past. Okay? What Christ did for you and has freely given you. And righteousness is a reality. And you can walk in that and in all the blessings that righteousness brings, which we'll see here in Psalm 92. You can walk in that. You can begin walking in that right now. Okay? But without that confidence, I'll tell you what gets messed up, your hope. And hope is based in the future. Hope is based on what I hope to see God do in my life, what I hope to happen. It's not, it's not the, oh, I hope that happens. It's more of a, no, I'm, I'm placing my hope in God, and this God is going, God's going to do this. Hope is based in what God's going to do. Your faith is based on what he already did. Okay, it's one that you say, I have faith for that. I, fa- I have faith God's going to do that. We know what we're saying when we do that, and it's not wrong, but your faith has to be based in that. Okay? It's in what he's already done, and you receive that by faith, and you walk in that, and that gives you hope for the future. You see that? All right? Your hope's based on what God's going to do, and, that, and there's got to be confidence, and for there to be confidence, you've got to walk in the reality of that you have been made righteous before God, and that he, he sees you. He hears your prayer. He is actively at work in your life. He has not left you to fend for yourself. He's not left you an orphan. Read Wes's book. I mean, <laughs> it's all in there. <laughs> you know? Why those orphan mentalities? You know, that, 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 need to, that need to, you know, like penny pinch and the need to, you know, the need to flaunt my gifts. And well, what is all that? It's, uh, it's, it's thinking there won't be enough for me. That i got to forge a place for myself. Uh, you know, uh, what's the reason of it all? And just trust God. He's your provider. He made room for you in God's family. There's a place for you at the table. You know, you can rest in the reality of that. And, 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 and that's the mark of one who's walking in righteousness. There's a certain level of just stability, contentedness. I don't get freaked out by everything that comes along. I don't get offended at the drop of a hat. You look at me the wrong way. Oh, man. Maybe they're having a rough day, Lord. Lord, I just bless them in Jesus' name. It's not worth, you know, Tony Martin used to say, not worth acting like somebody spit in your cornflakes. You know? <laughs> no, I'm mad. You know, it's like, relax. <laughs> oh, man. So righteousness. Righteousness. Had to just, I want to just talk on that for just a moment, okay? So, um, yeah. So without the certainty that I've been made righteous through Christ, put in right standing with God, I, I will I will be I will struggle with doubt and unbelief. And I'll struggle to have hope for my future. But if we will simply begin to rest in what Christ has already done for us and simply receive the free gift of righteousness freely given by grace, instead of trying to produce or earn it, here's what happens. Let's go on in verse twelve. The righteous man the righteous, the righteous woman, the righteous person, the uncompromisingly righteous, will flourish like the palm tree. We will begin to flourish. We'll flourish like the palm tree. It says you'll flourish like the palm tree. You will grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Now, I don't have a green thumb. Christy will tell you I'm not a good gardener, but I did take the time to look some of these things up. 
you know, Jesus often drew parallels with nature. I, why is God saying you're going to flourish like the palm tree? The righteous are going to flourish like the palm tree. You're going to grow like a cedar in Lebanon. To flourish there literally means you're going to break forth. You're going to break forth as a bud. You're going to spread. You're even going to fly as in extending the wings. You're going to blossom, grow, spring up. And as you're going to flourish like the palm tree, the Amplified Bible says that means you're going to be long-lived, stately, upright, useful, and fruitful. I looked up uses of the palm tree. The palm tree is one of the most incredible trees. has multiple uses. Palm oil is used in a lot of uh, recipes. Uh, in your, uh, if you buy almond butter or peanut butter, a lot of times you'll see palm oil in there. Palm, palm trees can produce oil, lumber, woven materials, multiple food sources, the famous coconut, um, drinks, insulation, all right? And the palm tree produces more than just, it produces coconuts, it also produces dates. So this is just some, you know, God's very intentional. He says, you're going to flourish like the palm tree. You're going to be useful, you're going to be fruitful, you're going to be stately, be long-lived. And then he says, and you're going to grow like the cedar in Lebanon. This is the righteous. You're rooted. Your roots are growing deep in the soil of God's love. You're confident. You're growing. The cedar in Lebanon, it says in the Amplified, will be majestic, stable, durable, and incorruptible. I looked that up. Cedars in Lebanon tend to live 150 to 300 years, and there are even a few that are thought to be an incredible thousand or more years old. That's crazy. You know, th and they can grow way over 100 feet in height. So, you see, you see it, I, mean, I mean, you're going to grow in righteousness as you grow in grace. You see, and, and as, as you embrace the reality that you've been made righteous, you're going to grow in grace. And verse 13, verse 13, planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. And I'm just going to end with verse 13 today. Planted in the house of the Lord, they'll flourish in the courts of our God. Where does God plant the righteous? In the house of the Lord. He plants us together with one another. He plants us with one another. He doesn't plant you all alone in isolation. You ever see those little cartoons with some shipwrecked dudes sitting on a sandbar with a one palm tree? <laughs> God's not doing that, okay? He's planting us together. It says specifically, they will flourish in the courts of our God. They will, uh, they, they, they will be planted in the house of the Lord. You see? And so he's planting us together in the house of the Lord. Something else I read about the palm tree. It grows in full sun. Full sun. It doesn't grow in shade conditions. What's the point, Stu? I, uh, 1 John 1, 7 has been burning in me. If we walk in the light, as he, Jesus himself, is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all our sin. You see that? In the light, brothers and sisters, we share fellowship one with another. The palm tree grows in the light. And God says right here, he, he, he equates you to that. He compares you to that, and he says, you're going to flourish you're going to be planted in the house of the Lord and flourish in the courts of our God. He plants us in the light. It's in the light that we share fellowship one with another. Learned something from an old pastor friend of mine many, many years ago. 
in darkness or shade or shadows, that's when we're separated. That's when we're isolated. And a good pastor friend of mine, uh, I used to go over and mow the lawn in the, at the church. I was in my 20s. And he'd come out and talk to me as I was mowing the lawn. You know, he'd, I'd set the mower off. He'd come out and we'd just we'd talk. And he'd teach me. I'd stand there on a Saturday afternoon. He'd be teaching me. And he, I'll never forget he said this to me. He said, Stuart, you don't want shadows in your life. Shadows are places where you've got, you know, where you're hiding secrets, where you've got places of offense, where you've got things festering that you will refuse to bring into the light, where you've got stuff that you're, that you're saying, I'll deal with it myself. And you're just sort of nursing it and holding on to it, and, and you just sort of hide it. And then it starts to come out sideways and things like getting, getting angry at people and getting angry at yourself and losing confidence and starts to just come out sideways, you know. And, and, and then it gets to this point where almost like people can see something's wrong, something's up with that person, what's going on? And you can't put your finger on it because you're hiding something. This is why our encounters are so important. And I'm going to give you a little commercial, a little little little. Little, uh, what do I call it? A little shout out for Encounter. Please come to Encounter. Okay, please. Please sign up and come to Encounter. It's a chance to really just come into the light. And come into the light. And, and, and we walk through the various areas. And it's a chance to come into the light uh, with, with, with someone who you can trust, who, who you know, uh, will pray with you and just, and just, and just bring you through into, into victory in that area. But my friend, he said to me, you don't want those shadows in your life. And you know why? He said this. I'll never forget it. Word for word. He said, Stuart, always remember this. He always called me Stuart. Satan lurks in shadows. Satan lurks in shadows. Okay? If I got shadows in my life, that's where the enemy can really mess some things up. Okay? Satan lurks in shadows. All right? But if we come into the light, if we come into the light, if we walk, I'll let John the talking on this. If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, Jesus said, the enemy has no hold on me because I, I, am, I, am, I, I, I am in the light and I am light, Jesus said. I'm the light of the world. And then Jesus said, you're the light of the world. So we're to be, we're to be the light of the world. The enemy having no hold in us, right? So if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. We have fellowship with one another. You see that? What's the, what is the sign, if you will, that we're walking in the light? We're not isolating ourselves. We have fellowship one with another. When I was in an active sin pattern years ago that I was delivered from, you know what the, indi- you, you, you know what the telltale? I was in isolation. I began to shrink back from fellowship. I began to look for ways to just be alone. And isolate myself. Solitude's different. Solitude's okay. If you're naturally hardwired to be an introvert, that's fine. An extrovert is hardwired to go to a party. That's how they get refreshed. <laughs> Woo! You know, come on, let's go, Joseph. An introvert gets refreshed and recharged by reading a good book or having a cup of coffee, sitting in a room, just with a nice light, and sitting by a fire. Yeah, yeah, solitude. Solitude's fine. Do what you do to recharge your batteries. But I'm talking about isolation. Like, I don't, I don't want to see those people. I, I don't want to go see anybody. I'm just going to skip church today. I don't want to talk to anyone. I don't want stuff's happening there. Where you start to dread the fellowship of the brethren, that's darkness, folks. I know. We gotta, 
Do a little, do a little checklist on yourself, okay? All right? So we don't want that. Why are we planted together in the light? Well, my, my last stop today, Isaiah 61.3. Isaiah had a good handle on this. Isaiah the prophet saw down through the telescope of time. He really did. He saw into today. And he said, he said that we may be, that in Isaiah 61, you know, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me, you know, to break the yoke. And then he says, why is God setting us free? That we may be called oaks of righteousness, okay? He, God compares you to the palm tree. He compares you to the cedar of Lebanon. Now he compares you to the mighty oak. You can't blow an oak tree over in a hurricane. You can throw, blow other trees over. You ain't blowing no, an oak tree over. Their root structure is deep, they're mighty, and they grow strong. And you can't take them down. That's, you, that's, that's us, folks. That's what God has designed us to be. God says, I want my people to be called oaks of righteousness, lofty, strong, and magnificent, distinguished for uprightness, justice, and right standing with God. That's what the Amplified said. There it is. Come full circle. Right standing with God. What is that? Righteousness. You are to be distinguished for righteousness. You can say, I be righteous because of what Jesus accomplished, not because of anything I've done. See? Oaks of righteousness. Get this. The planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. The NIV, which I don't quote from very much, says, the planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Why does God plant us together? Why doesn't he plant us in isolation on that sandbar, one tree here, one tree there? Why does he plant us all in a grove together? He plants us out in the open together for, to put us on display, to show forth his glory and his splendor. You weren't designed for life alone, us four no more, me and my little, you know, it's not that way, folks. We're designed for life together, that we might display, that God might display through you, through all of us, the glory of his splendor. See, when we feel like hiding, it's never God. He wants us in the light. How are we in the light? Together. John said it. We have fellowship one with another. That's the indicator that we're walking in the light. Well, I'm done. Next week, we're going to look at verses 14 and 15 because I'm excited. There are wonderful promises, promises that you can take hold of, given to the righteous who are planted in the light in the house of the Lord. Okay? And you, verse 14 and 15, you can see them right there. Still yielding fruit in old age. Okay? Full of sap and green, meaning your, your faith doesn't grow cold and stale. You, 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 you've got vitality. You know, you don't grow jaded by the storms of life. You grow stronger. Your faith grows stronger. You see? And you're declaring the Lord is upright. He's my rock. There's no unrighteousness in him. I'll talk a little more about that next week. Okay? So, yeah, are you encouraged by this? Come on. Come on. Listen, if you feel the least bit condemned by this message, please come see me. Please come. I want to talk to you. Okay? Because if you feel the least bit, man, that was a bummer. That was just, I feel, I feel worse than when I came in today. I'd love to pray with you, okay? Okay, because I tell you what, all God wants to do is, is he, he, he wants us fully in the light. In the light, okay? 
And sometimes he'll put his finger on those areas of darkness and discomfort, you know, and maybe we're just kind of hiding out a little bit. But you don't want to give the enemy any access, okay? Especially your confidence. Especially your confidence, all right? Start there and everything else will fall into place. If you have to write this on an index card and post it on your refrigerator, I have been made righteous through the work of the cross. God made him who knew no sin to become sin for me. He took it all. He bore it all away so that I don't have to bear it any longer. That I might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Okay? All right? It's not about your past. So you don't have to live another moment in shame or guilt over your past. Your past in Christ. It's about what He did for you. Okay? It's already done. It is finished. And that's the good news. And now you can walk in faith based on what He's done and have hope looking forward. No more hopelessness. No more, I don't see a bright future for myself. God's got a great future for you. Great future. Amen? Amen. So go in grace today. Father, let's just stand up. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the reality of righteousness. Thank you for the robe of righteousness that you have clothed, clothed us with. Lord, right now, if, if uh, there's any uh, areas where we've been trying to just cloak ourselves, Lord, in self-righteousness, whether that's just, just trying to be something or somebody we're not, trying to just, trying to, trying to, Lord, uh, trying to, to produce something, that can we cannot produce that only you that you have already given us lord we 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 just we just humble ourselves right now and we come to the cross and we 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 lay we lay down our striving and our struggle and we receive all that you have purchased for us lord full salvation the, the total package redemption freedom from fear, freedom from shame, freedom from guilt, freedom from victim mentality, freedom from sickness, freedom from torment. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your people here today. I thank you that they, they flourish and, they, and that their roots are growing deep into the soil of your love. Thank you for all you're doing. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>